What's up, everybody? Welcome to Genesis. We're glad you're here tonight. We're, uh, Mike and I are going to be co-teaching tonight. We've uh, been in a series called The Dream, and we've been talking about the, the vision that God has given us, and not, not just us, but all of us, the, the vision and the direction of Genesis, what we're called to do as a young adult ministry. So <clears throat> we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about our core values, our, our cultural cornerstones. And I want to remind you of our mission. Our mission is to spark the mind, heart, and feet of young adults to follow Jesus Christ through discipleship and Christ-centered community. That's our mission. Now, lots of organizations have mission statements, but the great ones have people who are on a mission. And I feel like that describes Genesis, like we are on a mission. So we're g- the first week we talked about community and discipleship, and then last week Mike talked about prayer and worship, and uh, we're going to go over two more core values tonight, and that is teaching and servanthood. And so why, why are we doing this? Why are we going over our core values? Well, it's because that we believe that Genesis is not supposed to be just a service for young adults, but we believe Genesis is a team of young adults who are on a mission. We're a team. And so you guys need to know this stuff because right now we are building the team and we want you to be a part of it. We want you to be heavily involved in what God is doing here. And so we want you to know the vision of Genesis and we want you to know how you can be a participator, not just an attender. That's what we're looking for, participators. So um, when we talked about community the first week, we said that we wanted it to be ever-growing, life-giving, and loyal. Those three, those three things stuck out to us the most. And then when it comes to discipleship, that deep growth leads to wide growth, which basically means as, as we become more mature in Christ, that is going to spread out to our community. Like, we will not be able to keep that to ourselves. We're, uh, we're going to be so passionate about Jesus, and we're going to become so, uh, so close and intimate with him that we cannot help but tell others. But it's not just numerical growth for the sake of numerical growth. Like, hey, look at us. We're, we're a big ministry. We're more interested in building big people, and those big people are going to build a big ministry, and not just to be big, but because people are important. And so that's what discipleship is all about. It's disciples that make disciples. Yeah, and then last week we talked about prayer and worship. Uh, last week when we talked about prayer, we wanted our prayers to be un- unified and powerful. Those are the two words that we focused on, and uh, I thought it was really cool to talk about what unified and powerful prayers can do for not just our city, but for our world and for each other and for the, the lost ones in our life. And then also when we talked about worship, uh, the two words authentic and passionate came to mind. And so when it comes to authentic and passionate worship, those are th- that kind of worship is not based upon our circumstances but it's based upon a reverence and an awe for who God is and what he's done. And so tonight, we'll be tackling the next two, which are teaching and servanthood. All right, let's talk about teaching. The teaching. I know that, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, just teach what you want to teach. But we have, uh, we have a vision, we have a direction of what we're going to be teaching. And what, what was important to us, and what we believe that, that God gave us, is that teaching should be Christ-centered and relevant. 
Christ-centered and relevant. Let's talk about Christ-centered for a second. We're not going to water down the gospel. That's not going to be us. We're not going to be get up here and, and teach a bunch of fluff that's just going to make people you know, feel better about themselves. Uh, we want you to feel better about yourself, but that the goal is to preach Christ. The Apostle Paul, he said this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. He said, I've decided that while I was with you, I would forget about everything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He also says in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. So at Genesis, we're going to preach Christ. And there's lots of alternative, alternative material that we could come up with, but Christ is what really matters. And, and Christ and the cross, and that Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins, and he rose again, and that is where our identity comes from. And so that's what really matters. And we're not going to focus on behavior modification. What is behavior modification? That's when we try to change our behavior and our actions before we even ask God for a a heart change and and a heart transformation and a renewed mind. And when we try to just change our, our behavior instead of, uh, instead of going back to our true identity, which comes from the cross of Christ. Like that is how we are changed. That is how we are transformed because we're not saved on our own works. So it's not going to be about behavior modification. It's, it's going to always go back. And sure, do we want to change our a- actions? Yeah, like there's a lot of actions about myself I want to change. I want, there's things I want to grow in and get better at. But it's not just, hey, change your actions. Because the actions are the fruit of our, of our thoughts and the intents of our heart. And so what we need is we need to go back to the cross. And we need to get that grace that comes from God. We need his help to change. It's not about me changing my actions. It's about me asking God for the grace to change. And what good is it for me to change my behavior if my heart hasn't changed, if my mind hasn't been renewed? And so it always goes back to the cross because that's where our identity comes from. Every decision you make is not a decision about what to do. It's a decision about who you are. And when you get that, everything changes. Who we are are children of God, right? And so when we know who we are in Christ, that changes the way that we act. So the, our behavior is the fruit of our thoughts and our heart. And so what, what we believe is that we're going to go back to the gospel. We're going to go back to the, the cross and the death and the resurrection of Jesus because that is how we're changed. And it's not about just you know, helping ourselves. It's about going back to our true identity and changing because of him. Yeah, and when, when we talk about heart change, um, it's impossible to do that without preaching Christ because he is the only one that can do that. And so th- that's why we find it so important to preach Christ and him crucified because there's nobody else out there it's going to change your heart. It's going to change the root of things that come out of your life. And so there's this quote by um, a famous theologian and preacher. His name's Charles Spurgeon. I'm sure many of you know who he is. And this is what he says about this. He goes, if there's no Christ in your sermon, 
go home, never preach again to have something worth preaching. And so that's pretty much bottom line what we believe here at Genesis is that if you're not preaching Christ, then it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to do any good. And so this is what we believe when it comes to preaching at Genesis. And so the authority of the word of God and the authority of the gospel, the, the, the beauty of it is that it filters out our opinions. It filters out me and Kevin's opinions on things. It filters out your opinions on things. Because when it comes to the truth of the word of God, you can look at the Bible and you can see this is what the Bible says about it. And it has the final authority. It doesn't matter what I think. This is the truth, like capital T kind of truth. And so that's what we believe here at Genesis, especially when it comes to preaching. Because the danger of watering down the gospel is that when, it start, when you start to twist it or take things out of it, it starts to get watered down. And it starts to not exactly have the same kind of life change that it can have. And so at Northwood Church and at Genesis, we aim instead for the truth of the gospel to, aim, or to impact the culture instead of the culture impacting the gospel. For the, for, the gospel, for the gospel to impact the culture, not the other way around. That's good. And so the next thing we talked about when it came to teaching is that we're going to have relevant teaching. What does that mean? That means we're going to preach the gospel, but we're gonna, it's going to be relevant because the gospel is relevant. But we're going to... We want you to know that you can invite your friends to Genesis. And somebody coming through those doors for the very first time, maybe somebody that hasn't been in church, and maybe they don't have the same background as you do, but but somebody that's coming in and they they just, hey, what's it all about? You know, why do you go to Genesis? Okay, I'll go with you. You seem to like it. And, And they just show up, and maybe they don't know God, Maybe they don't know anything about the Bible. We're going to preach relevant messages because we want you to invite your friends to church and want it to be that they can be ministered to from the, the, for the very first time that they show up. We want them to have an encounter with God. Yeah, and the, the demographic of Genesis is 18 to 20-something or 18 to 30. And so that age range is where you make some of the most important decisions of your life. Like, who am I going to date or marry? Where am I going to go to school? What am, what am I going to major in? Who do I want to be in life? And so, and then there's some of us in here that are on the other side of that. And so now you're wondering, well, how do I be a godly husband or godly wife? How do I be a godly father or mother? Or what, what's my role in the church? And so all these questions are so important. And we're going to walk with you either while you figure them out, we're going to help you answer these questions. And so in order for, to, to do that tonight for the first time, we've got this, this box in the back where you can write questions, comments, concerns, prayer requests, whatever. You can put them in that box, and we're going to do our best to address them. And so if you're ever wondering anything about life in general, Kevin will probably be the one to answer them. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so if you have anything you know, that you're wondering about, that you have any questions or concerns or prayer requests, there's a box back there for you to do that. So our next core value is servanthood. And when it comes to servanthood, the thing that stuck out to us and the thing that's really important for us is we want to serve with a God-sized love. That's so, right, yeah. So, yeah, so we talked about preaching and living the gospel earlier. And, and the thing about that, that one of the most forgotten parts of the gospel is that we are sent. You know, we all know the, the gospel of we're, we're sinful, so Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose three days, three days later, and bridged the gap between us and the Father. We all know that, but at the same time, we forget the Great Commission part of it. That, so, it so if you are saved, you are sent. Okay, so if you're saved, you are sent, and oftentimes we forget about that part of the gospel. A while back, I was uh, a part of a small group, and so what we would do 
is go around and say how our personal up, in, and out was going. And so up is your relationship with God, in is your relationship with each other, and out is how your relationship with lost people and is going. And so pretty much every single time, myself included, we would all say, oh, you know, relationship with God is going great, relationship with friends is awesome, but when it comes to lost people, not so much. And so it's because so often we forget about that part of the gospel. And so at Genesis, we don't want to forget about that aspect of the gospel. And so actually in, in the book of Acts, where uh, in the book of Acts is just our look into the early church, there are 40 miracles that happen in the book of Acts, and 39 of them happen outside the walls of the church. So 40 miracles happen in the book of Acts, and 39 of them happened outside the walls of the church. And so therefore, you know, we want to reach out. We want to be a light in the community. We want to serve with that God-sized love. And there's a verse that I want to read tonight, a couple of verses. This is 1 John 4, 7 through 12, and I think this illustrates what we want to do really well. Again, this is 1 John 4, 7 through 12, and this is what it says. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever, love, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And one of the, the, the best ways to describe this, I heard a guy use this illustration and I thought it was really cool. Uh, so this verse is talking about how you can make the invisible God visible because no one has seen God, but people see God through your love for one another. And so the illustration that he used was, you guys maybe have heard of the old superhero, the invisible man. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, some of you. All right, so the invisible He's man. not in the Avengers. No, he's not, not in the Avengers, and he'd be really hard to dress up as, you know. So, uh, so the Invisible Man was uh, a superhero, and the best way for the only way for people to see his like stature or his shape or that he was there, they would throw like dust or sand or paint on him, and you could kind of see where he was. And so, for us, the the local church is the paint that makes Christ visible. And so the love that we show for each other is the paint that shows Christ and makes the invisible God visible. People see God through how we love one another. And so that's what we want Genesis to be. That's so good. I love that illustration. Um, when, before my family and I came back to live here uh, just this summer, we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is where we're from. And we had two roles at this church that we were serving at. And one is we were leading this internship program. But the other role, it was kind of like a passion project for us. And uh, what that role was, we were youth pastors for inner city teenagers. And these are teenagers that are, they were from the, the worst neighborhoods in the city. And uh, they couldn't even come to church on their own. And so what we would do is we would send out buses, we'd go uh, like four or five buses would go into uh, project housing apartments and pick up these teenagers and then bring them back to church. And we would do a service. We'd feed them and we would do small groups. And I, our, our lives were changed through that experience. Like just seeing, meeting these kids, getting to know 
these kids who come from a totally different background uh, than I have. And I mean, look at me. Do I look like an inner city youth pastor? Like, but that's the role that, that I was in. And it, it was kind of odd, but sometimes God does things in odd ways. And that's where he had called us to be. And uh, one, this one time we did a series called Bucket List. And we challenged all these teenagers to dream big, to believe that God could use them and that he had a, a big plan for their life. And so we challenged them to write out a bucket list and just dream big. And, you know, do you want to be a professional athlete or do you want to graduate from college? Some challenged them, you know, uh, even think about fun things. Like, do you want to go skydiving someday? Or, um, you know, uh, what kind of a career do you want to have? Write that down on your bucket list. What kind of a family life do you want to have? Write that down on your bucket list. We had no idea the, the responses that we would get from this because when they filled out their bucket list and they turned them in, we were just looking through them, it was heartbreaking, some of the things that were on their bucket list. Things like, I want my dad to get out of prison. That was on their bucket list. Uh, I want to meet my dad. I've never met him. I want to know who my dad is. I want to meet my sister or my brother who I've never met. I want my mom to get off drugs. Um, one girl on her bucket list, she put that she wanted to go to Woodland Hills Mall and shop. And this is a mall in Tulsa that's kind of on the other side of the city from where most of these teenagers live. And it's a mall that I've been to like probably more than 100 times in, in my life. And it's just a normal part of life. You go to the mall and you, you shop. But this girl had never done that before. She had, and, and this was something that she was putting on her dream list, like to go to Woodland Hills Mall and go shopping. And like that was just something that would, that would blow her mind. And reading things like that, it broke our hearts. And why, why do I tell you this story? Because there is a whole other world out there that we cannot ignore. And there are precious people who don't have some of the things that you and I may have, but they are precious in the sight of God, and they need our help. And the Bible says that we've been blessed to be a blessing to others, and they need us. I was just talking with CJ before service, and he's doing this martial arts things at public schools and teaching some of these kids discipline and self-control and how to be a person of high character, and he's, they're using martial arts to do this. I love that because these are kids that we can't forget. These are kids that we can't turn a blind eye to. We can't ignore them. These, this community, the, the, Jesus said the poor will always be with us. And who did Jesus spend time with when he was on the earth? He spent time with the poor. He spent time with people that, you know, the religious people didn't think that it fit. Like, why, why are you with them? Why are you hanging out with them? But Jesus loved them. And our relationship with God goes deeper when we love the people that Jesus loves. We spend time with the people that Jesus spent time with. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells this story, and it's, it's like a prophetic story. This is something that will one day happen when we stand before God. And it's, you, can, you can read it for yourself, Matthew 25, but he talks about how people will, will come before him, and he will separate people. And he calls one group the sheep, and one group, the goats. And he says to the sheep, 
I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you gave me clothes. I was in prison and you came and visited me. And these people are going to be like, no, master, like we, we don't remember this. When did this happen? When were you in prison and we visited you? When were you naked and we gave you clothes? And he says, when you did it unto the least of these, then you did it unto me. And they get a reward. We get a reward if that's us. But it's not even about the reward. It's about doing things unto the Lord. When we do it for the least of these, when we serve the least of these, when we're a blessing to the least of these, we're a blessing to to Jesus. But he turns also to the goats. And he says, I was in prison and you did not come and visit me. I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was without clothes and you did not help me. And they will say, Master, when did this happen? When were you without clothes and we didn't help you? When were you in prison and we didn't come visit you? When were you hungry and we didn't give you food? And he says, when you didn't do it for the least of these, you didn't do it for me. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in the sheep group. I want to be in the group that served the least of these because those people are close to God's heart. And so the genesis that that we see is a genesis where we're reaching out to people. That, again, it's not just about young adults coming and attending. This is a team of people. And we're here to serve. And I'm here to serve you, but you're here to serve each other, and you're here to serve the hurting and broken people. And we aren't here just to stay in this room, but we're here to go outside of these four walls and and to go next door and to go across town and go even overseas if God calls us to do that. But that is why we're here. Jesus said, go into all of the world. So there's a whole other world, just not not very many blocks from here. There's another world that people are living in We cannot ignore that. We've got to go into that world. So the genesis that we see is a genesis where we're doing outreaches every month. Here's the thing about outreaches. It takes a team. I've done outreaches since I was 18 years old, reaching out. That's a big part of what we had done before coming here. Love it. Love everything about it. But it takes a team. And it can't, it's not just a handful of people that can make it happen. So there's a, there's a, it's a world of the least of these out there, and we are going to reach them. Definitely. Um, and yeah, we talk about the importance of serving outside the church. I think serving inside the church is also very important as well. Uh, the church is known as the body of Christ, and we see this in 1 Corinthians 12. This will be on the screen. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 20. And this is what Paul says about uh, the church being the body of Christ. This is what it says. It says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so we all have a large and important 
role in the body of Christ and inside the church. And so that's why when we talk about the dream for Genesis, we're not talking about just the staff or the leader's dream. We're talking about the dream for Genesis as a whole. And that includes you guys. And so you all have a very special role and special place inside the body of Christ. And so you all have unique gifts and talents and abilities and personality traits and character traits and all these things that make you who you are, that God designed you that way for a purpose. And that's to extend the kingdom of God and to serve the church. And so we want Genesis to be a place for you to, to be able to come and figure out your place inside the body of Christ. And so we, we really do aim to serve inside and outside the church with a God-sized love. Both of those are extremely important. I love that um, last week I was talking about the trunk or treat thing for the kids that's happening tomorrow night, actually. And I was saying we need some help building this thing for the kids to come and be like Captain America and throw this shield and hit some bad guys that pop up. And, and uh, there was a group of uh, young adults, they're here tonight, group of, that came up to me after service and like, hey, we can build stuff, like we would love to help with this. And so you never know, like if people are gonna like, yeah, I wanna help, but then like, can they do it? Because they only had a week to do it. Uh, but sure enough, they did it. And they spent time on this, they worked on it. And they brought it with them tonight. And uh, I love that because that's what it's all about. It's, it's about teamwork. It's about serving the least of these. It's about reaching out. But it's also about helping at the church. And this is a church event that's helping uh, that we're going to be doing tomorrow. We'd love for you guys to come out to it. Um, trunk or treat. We'll talk more about it later. But the genesis that we see is a genesis where our young adults are really heavily involved at Northwood Church. Now, if you already go to another church on the weekends and you're plugged in there, that's great. Like You can stay plugged in there. But if you don't have a church for the weekends, Genesis isn't just, we're not just our own thing. Like we're a part of Northwood Church and we would love for you to be a part of Northwood Church. And we'll talk more about that later. But the local church is the hope of the world. It's because the local church is God's team of missionaries that he entrusted us with the greatest news that'll ever happen in history and he entrusted us to go and to tell that news. And we can do that outside of these four walls, but we can do it in these four walls as well. Because every week, hurting people are coming to us. Like We want to go out and reach people that are hurting. We're going to do that. But hurting people are coming inside these doors every week. People, they, they know that at church, they might be able to find hope. But people are hurting. People might be struggling with depression or suicidal thoughts. They might be uh, at a crisis in their life. Their, their marriage might be in trouble. They might have kids that are just wild and they don't know how to raise them. Um, they, might, they might be uh, you know, struggling with an addiction. Or, but hurting people are, are showing up to us. They're coming to us every Sunday. And you can help. You can be a part of the team. At, at Northwood, and we would love for you to do that. We would love to see Genesis people become so involved at Northwood Church that it's like, hey, Kevin and Mike, I don't know if I can even be at Genesis that much anymore because I'm so involved with other things that are going on at church. That's fine. Like, if you get to the point where you basically graduate from Genesis because you're so involved at the church, that would be awesome. Uh, I want to read you guys a survey that was done a few years ago by America's Research Group. And 
uh, they did a survey. They found that 95% of 20 to 29-year-olds, uh, these people who were uh, evangelicals, what they're called, 95% of 20 to 29-year-old evangelicals attended church regularly when they were in elementary and middle school years. So 95% of them attended when they were in elementary and middle school years. When they got into high school, that number dropped down to 55%. 95% dropped down to 55% in high school. And then by the time they reached college years, only 11% of them were still attending church. 11% of them were still attending church. That is a trend that we have to do something about. That is a trend that we're happy you are doing something about because you are here tonight and you have decided that you are going to be plugged in and you're not going to be disconnected and, and you're here and we're glad that you're here, but you have friends. There's a, there's a whole generation of people out there of young adults who have just faded away from the church, even the ones that have been in church. Maybe they were in a, a really great youth group, but somehow we've we've believed this lie that when you graduate from high school, like that's the finish line. But that's not the finish line. We still need Jesus and we still need the church and we are meant to be a part of the church for the rest of our lives. And so you don't ever, you don't ever get past that. And so what we want to see happen here is we want to see young adults getting involved and serving. Why, why serving? Because Jesus served. Well, I don't really feel like just, I mean, I'm not getting paid for this, and why would I show up and serve? No, Jesus served. In Matthew chapter 20, he talks about being a servant leader. He says, you know that the leaders of the Gentiles, they, they puff themselves up. They lord it over the ones that they're leading. They exercise authority over them. They basically, they show them who's boss. That's the way the Gentiles do it. But Jesus said, it won't be that way among you. He was talking to the disciples, talking to us. It's not going to be that way among you. Whoever wants to become great among you must first become a servant. That's how you become great in the kingdom of God. Don't listen to how the world tells you how to become great. Listen to how Jesus tells you to become great. It's become a servant. And Jesus said, even the Son of Man, talking about himself, didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so, if Jesus is serving, then we should be serving. And there's no greater place to serve than in the local church because, like I said, hurting people are walking through those doors every week. Now, you guys, you can get involved. You could be an usher. We need ushers. You could be a greeter. You could be that, that smiling face that greets them as they walk through the doors. Why, why, why would I do that? That sounds boring. I'll tell you why. Because hurting people are coming, and it takes a team to reach them. And so the, the thing that you're a part of is bigger than the part that you play. It's not about, well, this isn't a, a big enough role for me. No, it takes a team. And if you can fill an empty spot, it means a lot means a lot to the church. You know, Jesus, he said, even if you bring a cup of cold water to a child, you'll, you'll by no means lose your reward. Isn't that awesome that Jesus, he remembers this stuff 
Just bringing a, a cup of cold water to a kid, man, you're not going to lose your reward. And so the thing that you're a part of is bigger than the part that you play. How else can you get involved? We've got Rainbow Row, which is basically our nursery. And we need help. Ladies, we need your help. How great is it when somebody who's coming into church, maybe they're coming for the very first time, they can take their kids to the nursery at our church and they can feel good about leaving them with people that we're gonna take good care of their kids. And they can come into church and they can be ministered to by God because we had a volunteer there that was helping taking care of their kids. What about the older kids, elementary school? We have this thing called Main Street. You can be a leader there. We've got some of you that are leaders there. And man, such an important role just to speak into the life of a, a young boy or girl. Or you could be a leader at uh, Northwood Student Ministry, which is our youth ministry. We've got uh, middle school Sunday mornings, high school on Sunday nights. Why do we want you to get involved? Because that's what Jesus would do. Like Jesus, he washed his disciples' feet. John chapter 13, you can read it. He washes his disciples' feet. This is a time where everybody wore sandals and everybody's feet are dirty and smelly. And Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And we can't just always you know, be only about those people that are out there. Sometimes people love the lost, and they have a real hard time loving other Christians. But Jesus washed his disciples' feet. These are other believers, and he washed their feet. And when he did it, he said, I've, I've done this because I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. If I've washed your feet and I'm your master, then you should wash one another's feet. A servant is not greater than his master. The one who was sent is not greater than the one who sent him. And we are to be his servants. We are to be the ones who are sent. There's lots of other ways that, that you can get involved. And we've got a, a table over here. You can get, you can sign up. You're like, hey, I want to help out, you know, at, with the nursery. I want to help out as a greeter. I want to help out in middle school or high school. There's lots of ways that you can do that. You have to sign up and we will contact you and we'll get you the information. But this is the this is the, the message, really, is that if serving is beyond you, or if it's serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. You are called to be leaders. You guys are leaders. Trust me, I know one when I see one. You're leaders. You're here because you're hungry. You're, you're wanting to grow. You're wanting to learn. You guys are leaders. You're called to be leaders in your home. You're called to be leaders in your school, in your, in your place of work in your community, even in your church, you guys are called to be leaders. But if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. And so we want you to have that heart to serve because it's so important. So we've had a blast going through uh, these core values, going through the dream at Genesis. But like I said, it, it takes a team. And you guys have the next step. It's your time to step up to get involved because it's not a group of attenders. We're a group of participators. We're a team. And so the ball is in your court. You guys have to make the next step of, of getting involved, but we couldn't be more excited. Next week, um, Pastor Rodney Richard and his wife Tracy Richard, they will be here. We're going to be interviewing them, 
And uh, I'm really excited about this because these are the, the future pastors of our church. And um, we're so excited because we want to hear their heart behind Genesis. Won't they? they used to be the pastors of Genesis. So I'm really excited about interviewing them and asking them some questions about what their experiences was like leading young adults. And they've got a lot of great perspective. If you are wondering like what you want to do with your life and what has God called you to do with your life, they're going to be answering some of those questions next week. But we couldn't be more excited about how you guys are going to be involved in the dream. And uh, we want to pray with you to close it out. Would you guys bow your heads, close your eyes, and we're going to pray and we're going to sing some more uh, worship songs. But Father, we're so grateful for this vision that you've given us, this direction. We're excited about it because we believe that it's from you. It's all from your word. It's nothing that we invented. It's from you and it's from your word. It's things that are close to your heart. And I pray for this group of young leaders. Lord, I pray that they would get your heart. Lord, I, I need and we all need a renewed mind. We need a transformed heart. And it's, it's, we can do that, we can have that because of what you accomplished at the cross. Because that you loved us so much that you gave your one and only son to die for us. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I thank you that tonight we can be saved. That tonight we can know that we're going to heaven. And tonight we can join you as a part of the body of Christ to help accomplish the dream that you've given us. And God, I just thank you for each and every one of these young adults, Lord. They have so much potential. They have so much passion. I I know that you've called them to do great things, not for their own glory, but for your glory. And I hadn't planned on doing this, but I just, if everybody, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, but I just want to give an invitation tonight for somebody who who might be hurting somebody that might be disconnected from God right now somebody that just if you feel feel far from God or maybe you're here tonight and you've not surrendered your life to Jesus and you would say Pastor Kevin I want to get saved I want to get my life right with God I've been way off and I got to get back on track I want to tell you, tonight is your night. God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son for you. You're valuable to God. And you don't have to try and hide from God like Adam and Eve did when they sinned in the Garden of Eden. They tried to hide from God, but Jesus came in looking for them. And Jesus comes and he looks for you and he searches for you. He rescues us because he delights in us. He loves us and he values us so much. And so, if that's you, I just want to ask you to lift your hand up in the air and say, that's me, Kevin. I need to get my life right with God. I'm not right, but I'm going to make a decision tonight to repent, to turn back to God. Thank you. Yeah. Don't miss this chance. If this is you, just raise your hand. Thank you. Let's all pray this prayer together. Let it come from our hearts. Heavenly Father, you guys repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I surrender to you. 
You are the King of kings. And I'm dedicating my life to you. Thank you for dying for me and for raising again. I believe in you. And I love you because you love me first. Turning my life around. I'm through doing my own thing. I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to worship God. If you guys would stand up on your feet with us, we're going to celebrate.